The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell, and of course, you're listening to the Big Scary Show! <laughs> this is Manny Souza, Small Oxman Haunt, on the Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps, it's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Nez from Dark Spectre Custom Couture, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is David Miller with Miller's Thrillers, Haunted Woods in Spring Hill, Tennessee. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Jason McCollum with Morbid FX, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. This is the January 16th, 2021 edition of The Big Scary Show, episode 228. And we continue to live the dream in COVID town as the haunt convention season approaches. Or does it? The Roundtable of Terror returns as the hosts sit down with the voice from hell, Dick Terhune, to discuss how haunts should approach their marketing for the 2021 season with the pandemic still raging on. Then we discuss the man himself and his career. Badger reads Deadline News, and Storm rants about the abandoned haunted house in the backwoods of South Carolina where a body was found, only for it to burn to the ground two days later suspiciously in a haunt minute. Meat Hook Jim returns with Between the Corpses and continues talking about funeral customs in Peru and the lost corpse of gold. We have a new gruesome giveaway for the month of January. And we get a break from Vicer and the Haunted Vista already in 2021. And I'll be spinning some spooky tunes to welcome in the 2021 haunt season. All this 
and more on episode 228 of the January 16th, 2021 episode of The Big Scary Show. Are you ready? How could anyone guess that Daniela was reliving the legend of the Wolf Woman? She is every man's dream of love until she becomes possessed with an evil that turns her life into a bloody and terrifying nightmare that never ends. Now, at last, you can see a true story so brutal, so horrifying, that it was kept from the public for over a century. The legend of the Wolf Woman. Before your very eyes, the Wolf Woman is born in an act of reincarnation that is as sensual, as violent, as bloody as anything you will ever see on the motion picture screen. The demented passions in The Legend of the Wolf Woman will eat you up. From Dimension Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 228. And we're going to start off with some sad news from one of our own. This comes to us via Zombie Hollow Haunted Attraction in Gastonia, North Carolina. Zombie Hollow is heartbroken to have to share the loss of one of our own. John Skip Berryman of Gastonia, one of the longest standing members of our clown crew, passed away on January 6th at the way too young age of 17. He played Skippy the Clown at Zombie Hollow and was one of the head minions. He leaves behind a mother and a sister. The Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Skip Berriman and offers up this moment of silence. We have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Atlanta. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor Michael Bean to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Atlanta happening February 26th through the 28th at the Sheraton Atlanta. Bean played Sergeant Kyle Reese, a soldier sent back in time by John Connor to save his mother Sarah Connor in the 1984 film The Terminator. He starred in two other films directed by James Cameron, Aliens, and The Abyss, as well as many, many other roles. You can currently see him playing Lang in Season 2 of Disney's The Mandalorian. For more information and tickets, visit daysofthedead.com. 
We have some gaming news regarding Alien Isolation. This comes to us via BloodyDisgusting.com. Remember Mother VR, the VR mod for Alien Isolation that gave us what we hoped and feared, which Sega never did? Well, if you were one of the lucky people who a few weeks back snagged the game for free during the Epic Games Store's Christmas sale, you'll be pleased to know the mod is now compatible with the Epic Games Store version. Initially, the Mother VR mod was not compatible until the mod's creator, Nibre, released an update a couple of weeks ago that fixes the issue and adds support for the Epic Games Store version. You can download the new mod version over at GitHub, G-I-T-H-U-B, Com. We have more convention news, this time an update from the Mad Monster Party coming to Charlotte. Don't miss the Jason X photo op at Mad Monster Party 2011. Kane Hodder returns as Uber Jason in the East Coast debut of the Jason X photo op presented by Tom Devlin. Kane and Tom will meet fans at Mad Monster Party all three days. February 19th through the 21st, but Kane will only appear as Jason on Saturday only. Photo ops are on sale now. For tickets, hotel, and more, visit madmonsterparty.com. We have this news from the Awaken On It attraction in Leslie, Michigan. Taking your significant other out for a night on the town this Valentine's Day weekend? Nothing says I love you like scaring your loved one into a fear frenzy of panic. Show them how much you care on Valentine's Day with tickets to Awaken's premier haunted event, Love Bites. It's sure to get them into your arms. On Saturday, February 13th, Awaken Haunt will have its fourth annual Love Bites Valentine's Day event. Doors open at 7, Fast Pass tickets are available. Get tickets and more info at awakenhaunt.com. We have this news from the Nightmare on 3008 Haunted Attraction in Fultondale, Alabama. Roses are red, violets are blue, love bites, and hurts too. Vampires are here to make you smitten. Just beware that you aren't bitten. No one's safety was harmed in the making of this love letter. However, join us for Love Bites, our Valentine's Haunt, February 12th through the 13th from 7 to 11 p.m. Look out for more info, especially regarding our haunt safety recommendations. Get that information at nightmare at 3008.com. We have this update from Stilt Beast Studios. This is a friendly reminder that we've created a new YouTube channel just for our live feeds. Stilt Beast Live will feature all the live interactive feeds in a positive, encouraging atmosphere so you can join us in real time in the shop while the monsters are being made. Our original YouTube channel, Stilt Beast Studios, is still providing the DIY tutorials you've come to expect, but we hope you'll continue to join us for both. To find us, go to youtube.com and search for Stilt Beast Live. And finally, we have this news from the Canadian Haunters Association via Chris Ainsworth. Greetings and Happy New Year to all our Haunter friends. On behalf of all the CHA chapter presidents and myself, I wanted to share the news with everybody about the CHA website. 
The CHA website was originally created back in 2008 to share tips on home haunting, advertise your home haunts, building props, costuming, makeup, scare acting, and all things Halloween related. But what it was mostly used for was our annual Home Haunters Awards contest. After analyzing the traffic we get to the website, it's come to our attention, we don't really have any. Over the years, we've noticed more and more people have gone to using social media, and with that being said, we have decided to delete the CHA website effective immediately and go to just using our CHA Facebook page. We are looking forward to our annual Home Haunters Awards contest this upcoming 2021 Halloween season, so please stay tuned for future updates and contest info. Happy haunting, and be sure to check out Canadian Haunters Association on Facebook. Remember everyone, if you have news and you want it on the show, please send it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll make sure it gets there. No news is too big or too small. This wraps up Deadline News. I'm Drew Badger. Thanks for listening. Little Miss Sticks. Drag Queen Dracula on The Big Scary Show.
want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror, then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> To you, from the darkest reaches of the Earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so this time of year we're always looking for some sort of inspiration for our haunt. We're trying to come up with, you know, new ideas and new stuff. We'll check out movies and we'll check out news and... You know, sometimes either or, or sometimes both, will give us that inspiration we need. But there's one story this week that might just be a little too far, a little too too real, a little a little too spooky. All right, we go to Norway, South Carolina. That's right, not home of the Vikings, home of whatever. Well, I'll tell you what it's home of. A uh, bunch of teens who are driving around on ATVs. Yay. Uh, through the woods, and they were going to go check out a abandoned haunted house. You know, it was a house that hadn't been lived in for ten years, a little bit off the beaten path in the woods, and they were going to drive there and check it out because they heard it's haunted. You know, again, what you're not supposed to do, but pretty much very reasonable, we, most people would do. So they get to the haunted house in the woods, and they're checking out. They find a large chest freezer in the back. Well, we've seen some horror movies. What could this possibly be? So one of them opens it. And, you know, you expect to find, you know, nothing. The, the normal, you know, real life. No, they find a freaking badly decomposing maggot-covered body. Yes, a body. Ah, awful. They do the right thing. They call police and, you know, searching out. They're, the police are working on autopsy. They, the most they can figure out is a male and they got a tattoo and some clothing. So they're still looking into that. But that's not even the craziest thing. The most spooky thing, the weirdest thing about this entire story. No, because after finding the body, two nights later, the house burns to the ground. And no one knows why. So, you know, house, body, house not lived in, body, she's been there a lot less than 10 years, found in a freezer chest, reportedly haunted, and then burns to the ground. You can't make that up. You can't write a haunted attraction like that. So, yes, when you're looking for inspiration, you can find it anywhere and even in the news, but it just might be a little too real for yourself. So, um, until next time. Keep every minute scared. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, 
share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. And ladies and gentlemen, it is the Roundtable of Terror for the Big Scary Show. We hope you've been enjoying it so far. And if you haven't, you will be soon because we have a very entertaining guest on today. A master of stage, screen, voiceovers, teaches seminars all over the country for haunters and others regarding many, many different topics, but primarily marketing you know last year being an election year we, people were talking about oh how are we gonna market our haunts during election year well march came along and woof out the window because of the pandemic so you know how does one market their haunted attraction in a pandemic or shall we say hopefully post-pandemic world this season so, of course, we have none other than the voice from hell, the master of marketing, and does a damn fine Ebenezer Scrooge, Mr. Dick Terhune from Litchfield, Connecticut. How are you, sir? Ah, humbug. You're a few weeks late for that, but we'll, we'll oh, let sorry. it slide this time. Well, <laughs> hamburger? Hamburger? What? Hamburger? What the? I had chili. Bah Humburger Helper, today. I think, is what we're looking for. <laughs> there you go. I'm doing great. Happy New Year, guys. Great to be with you again. Same to you. And of course, the others that you're referring to include the other co-hosts, including up not too far from you, up in Rhode Island, we have Storm. Happy New Year. Greetings from the home of our new Commerce Secretary. <laughs> Down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. I'd say it's been a while, Dick, but it's only been, what, three, four weeks? since Just a couple weeks, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'm sure there's a story there, too. Oh, yeah. Up in Columbus, Ohio, we have Jerry Vane. Yes, that is me, and me is this. My name is Drew Badger. Down in Charlotte, the winter has finally come. We got our first and hopefully last snow of the year, and it was gone in 24 hours, as it should be. Okay, we cannot be friends anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be... Uh, you'll yeah, be don't be jealous. He's got to worry about spiders and snakes and all kinds of stuff. I, I, I love it up here in New England. I will gladly shovel 12 times a year if it means I don't have to step over a black widow and an alligator to get to my car in the morning. Well, when you I put think. it like that. Mm -hmm. I actually got rid of a brown recluse in my house this past weekend. And we found a mouse in the bathtub. So, yeah, whatever. But Dick, brown, uh, brown recluse, is that your son? No, that, that's oh. the spider, man. That's, uh, you know, anyway, we won't talk about that. Nasty little buggers. Kind of like my son at times but anyway dick we want to uh first of all congratulate you you uh you had a masterful masterful performance in 2019 doing a one-man play for a christmas carol and over this past holiday season that was re-shown again on the warner theater website 
the Warner Theater in Torrington, Connecticut, where it ran between Christmas and New Year's. And I don't know, is it still up on YouTube for people who want to check out your portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge? It is not. It was a, a limited time encore presentation. And um, as of the evening of New Year's Day, it was taken down. But um, I, I'm so gratified that, first of all, we recorded it a year ago. And, you know, a lot of my friends across the country and around the world simply couldn't make it to Torrington, Connecticut a couple of weeks before Christmas in 2019. So very glad, very grateful that we were able to share it with the world. And I mean, I heard from people, gosh, from, from some people who I haven't heard from since high school who had watched it and who watched it multiple times and who shared the link with, with their, their families and their friends. And it, it just spread out from there. So I guess it did what it was supposed to do. It did spread a little bit of joy during a somewhat bleak holiday season for a lot of people. So congratulations once again. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll take the win on that one. (laughs) And my daughter, who's a theater minor, she really, really enjoyed it. So great. There you go. But let's talk about marketing a little bit. Again, this is a a year, the year that was 2020 was unlike any other in the haunt industry. A lot of haunts did surprisingly well uh, because people were tired of being cooped up and wanted to get out and do something. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we see the optimism of, of a vaccine or two out there. So, you know, how should haunt owners be preparing for 2021? Should they do what they had sort of planned to do in 2020? Should they revamp what they think their, uh, their version of successful advertising is? I think just like 2020, it's going to be a work in progress. The, the whole thing is a moving target. You know, I was, I was thinking before we went on that it was just about one year ago that we were all here in this same place with our, um, our, our annual pre-convention marketing talk. Indeed. Uh, and at that time, we were talking about an election year and how you need to make your buys now and have, how you have to look at the different marketing and advertising venues that are available to you, all the digital, all the social, anything that you would want to do with traditional marketing. And like you said, in March, everything changed and then it changed again and then it kept changing and the tribes the haunt tribes could not gather at the conventions which was sad and everybody was working under you know largely different rules and regulations about a if they could open and b how they could open i heard from many many longtime clients who just couldn't do it uh, either the the social distancing or uh, regulations on gatherings would not allow them to open or they did not have control of their space. But the clients that I did work with, the clients that I did have, the ones who found a way to open, I'm not going to say they thrived, but they were in business. And that's the important thing. And as you said, people were starved for entertainment by September, October of 2020. So if you could open, God bless you, you did, and you made a lot of people happy. And if you couldn't, well, I hope you banked your bucks 
because we're going to see what happens this time. Um, it is going to be another work in progress. You may not know if you are even able to open your attraction until June, July, at the earliest. That's when the bulk of the population is going to be able to receive the COVID-19 vaccination. And by the way, that group of people, that's your target market too, in that particular age group. So I have no doubt there's going to be skittishness on the part of the audience, but there's also going to be eagerness on the part of the audience. Now, again, taking a look back, those in 2020 who opened definitely emphasized two things. We are open. We are safe. We are here and we are going to take care of you. We're going to do everything we can to make sure you have a good time and that you leave our place hale and hearty and healthy. That theme is going to have to continue for 2021. Now, luckily, we are out of a major election cycle at this point. So both traditional broadcast advertising, television and radio, as well as online advertising and social media advertising, there's going to be a lot more availability of that, I believe. So to give one sort of blanket answer, I can't. I can't say do this, this, and this, and you're guaranteed success. If I ever did that, you would need to stop listening to me. Um, but what I will say is have at least three plans in place. Plan A, what you've always done. Plan B, what you did last year. And plan C, what you're going to do if plan A and B don't work out. Uh, clearly, your best venues, I think, this year are going to be through social media, and uh, blend that with traditional media as well. Do you think that uh, because people were doing things like, like Zoom meetings, like we're having now, or virtual meetings here and there, is there a way to incorporate that as an advertising venue, perhaps? Because a lot of people, you know, I know people who still don't leave their home right now they they get everything delivered they they work from home and and all that so well, i don't think it's are, are you talking about advertising on zoom i don't know i don't believe you could I, do that i know but i i don't know if if trends if if more people are you know used to seeing you on a you know in a zoom meeting as opposed to seeing you on social media or hearing you on the radio or reading about you on a billboard or something like that well i did just think of a diabolical if not at least unethical and probably illegal thing that you could do is to zoom bomb calls with your advertising or your characters. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? I don't think it's a real good idea, but it would be fun. Well, you could it, put those screens behind you. It could also be a cooperative <laughs> thing there. I mean, you know, if you're working, you know, one of the things I really think is going to be tough on haunts this coming year is the strategy and the amount of competition you're going to have and pushing with it. Movie theaters are going to have to advertise this year. They're going to be doing different things. They may not even have the movie supply that they normally have. I, I, I would really suspect that you're going to start seeing movies doing more of the live show, live concert thing. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys ever had a haunt and had like Marilyn Manson or uh, Rob Zombie or um, 
uh, you know, any any of those more like Halloween performers come through around Halloween, you see a drop in both your attendance and in your available actors. Now, those people aren't going to be able to be everywhere, but if like the local movie theater is doing the live performance for the weekend and showing it, that's going to end up being your competition. So you may want to look into Zoom and stuff this spring and fall uh, and, and be cooperative. You know, local theaters and stuff will be coming up. Maybe they might want to do a cooperative thing. If they're doing a Zoom thing and they want to promote something and have one of your characters pop in as a guest on a Zoom call, this is the stuff you got to start um, strategizing for now. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, you have to use the new avenues and venues that are available to you. Um, you know, Zoom, Cisco, and everything else that we've been using to get in touch with each, with each other since March. There are opportunities there. You just have to think of them and you just have to exploit them. You have to go where your audience is. That has always been the case. And for you to know where your audience is, go there. You have to do it. You have to do it. That's the only way you're going to get people in your door. And, you know, you've been saying since day one, you know, your unique selling point and knowing, knowing who your audience is. And I think that's going to be more important and also a call to action. You know, how many years we've seen no call to action. If you've been open this year, you've learned your website is now your call of action. And, you know, you can't, uh, I mean, I hear it so much. I can't imagine how many times you hear it. Who do you want to come to your thing? Who do you want this ad to, to bring in? And their answer is everyone. And it's like, no, no. That's yeah, no, I've never, I've works. never heard that. Nobody ever said that to me. <laughs> oh, it, 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 hopefully haunts have learned for this coming year, but that everyone's not going to work in advertising at all this year. It's it, it never has. And it never will. Yeah. But it'll be a, just a bigger waste of money. If you, if you try, try that unstrategy this time. Yeah. As always, you have to be very focused and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the unholy Trinity, the unique selling proposition, the core message, and the call to action. Those are the three things every piece of advertising and marketing that you do have to possess and have to present, which means do your homework. Know what your unique selling proposition is, the, the one reason why I should buy a ticket from you, your core message, the one message you want your audience to take away when they hear, see, or read your advertisement. And of course, the call to action, telling them what to do, which is how to get a ticket. It's the same as if you were going to start a car with an internal combustion engine. Um, every internal combustion engine needs three things, right? Fuel, spark, and compression. If you don't have those three things, the car don't go. If you don't have your USP, your core message, and your call to action and everything you do, it's not going to work. So lesson one is still lesson one. And the thing is, too, it sounds intimidating and it sounds like, you know, this this business level mumbo jumbo. It's easy. It's not as hard as you think when you break it down. And the easiest thing to do is listen to the people in line for your haunt. They'll ask yeah. those questions. Is it scary? How do I buy tickets? How do I get a VIP? Oh, look, there's the website on the thing. They're asking these questions right there. And you, your, your ticket attendants, your 
uh, line actors, even your parking lot people are answering this. So you just got to communicate with your staff on the questions that the people you've already brought in are asking, and you're going to come up with some great points to make some really good advertisements. And you can carry through your marketing long beyond the day that, that the haunt closes at the end of October or, or in November or whenever it is you close. The, the example I'm going to use is Headless Horseman. Uh, in upstate New York. Everybody knows Headless Horseman, right? Well, they were open this year and they did it as a drive-through haunt, which I, I know a lot of other haunts did. Uh, one of the things that they did, though, was that you had to access the audio portion, the guide through the drive-through via their app. So everyone who bought a ticket had to download the Headless Horseman app also if they were going to get the full experience, you know, December, January, February, March, April, and the rest of the year, that app is still living on their phone. So you're going to be able to cull data from your app. If it's living on your customer's phone. And by the way, it's already there for next fall when you need to reach out to them to say, here's when we're opening. Uh, we want to give you a special deal. We want to upgrade you to VIP for the price of a single ticket or whatever it is you decide to do. Take advantage. Take advantage of every inroad you have to your customer, because if you don't, I guarantee you some other entertainment venue will. And that's not necessarily going to be a haunted attraction, because as Storm pointed out, it's going to be a movie theater. It's going to be a club. It's going to be a sporting event. Yep. It's going to be something else. Yeah, high school sports are going to be your competition again this year, and people are going to be thirsty for it. Yeah, hopefully they're going to come roaring back too. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to come back hard, and I know everybody's going to, you know, everybody audience-wise is going to want to take in everything that appeals to their interest. You really need to be what appeals to their interest. And there are great opportunities with that too to know your market, which is one thing you know the the, the people I'd worked with for years is. You know, I, I'd have my managers and stuff complaining, oh, so-and-so sports team is in the playoffs this weekend. We're going to have a shorter crowd. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to affect us one night out of three this weekend. And guess what? You just found out your target market are sports people. So stop advertising on the Oprah Winfrey channel and put it on the baseball network. Put it on your local sports thing because those are the people who want to come to your haunt and you just got free market research by looking around and going, huh, there are less people here or they come earlier or they show up later when this event is happening. And are there advertising opportunities at the ball field where this team is, is playing this one night so that tomorrow night they know they got something else to do i know can't imagine if uh you know local high schools and boosters you know do they have an ad section with a program that everyone there buys or is given every time they go to a game <laughs> do some of them have uh maybe not jumbotrons but some sort of digital display or do they have a pa system where maybe your pre-produced commercial could be played? Do they have opportunities between innings for promotional events where your characters, some of your characters could come and take part in that? These are just some of the things that you can do. Throw a box of makeup to one of the classes for their homecoming float, and you'll see every single one of them come to your haunt that season. There you go. This is gold, people. This is gold. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I've, you know, 
listen to you talk about in your seminars at conventions and stuff is everybody loves a good story. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're, when you're advertising, you know, don't do the bad Dracula accent and say, come to our haunt because blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. But do you think in a year like this, the uh, people are going to have to maybe change the way they do, maybe promote more of the fact that they're safety conscious as opposed to scary you know, we sterilize after every group goes through or all our actors wear face masks and, and all that. Is, is that a wise thing to put in a in an advertising package where you're you know, you really want to emphasize that, yes, we're the scariest haunt in our town, but we're also the safest and because people are going to, you know, be skittish, as was said before. Yeah, but you know what? Turn that into the story of your haunt um, and. and just just hearing what you were just saying, um, one thing I thought of is whoever the spokesperson is for the haunt, we've always had your safety in mind. Every year, we've always washed all the blood off the floor between visitors. You have nothing to worry about here. So yes, you're doing it in, in a joking fashion, but you're still getting your message through. You're, in fact, one of my clients this past year, we opened the commercial with... Uh, I'm trying to remember what the exact line is. I, I'm just going to have to paraphrase it because I, I can't pull it up right now. The idea was we will never be scarier than 2020 is right now, but we're a lot more fun. And that's the thing you want to emphasize that you're fun. You're safe. You're open. That's your story and tell your story, incorporating those elements. It's so much fun. It's so easy when you get rolling with it too, you know, and little elements like that. I've had so many people ask, Oh, is your walk through scary? I go, you know, I've been in line and character go, well, everyone who survived it loves it. <laughs> um, you know, one of my other favorites was, is you'll learn this stuff on the fly and talking with your actors and managers, you might even come up with some of these story things. Again, another thing, you don't have to be, you know, Chaucer and writing a whole, you know, mystery thing. You don't need Poe and, you know, poems and stuff for it the stuff will come to you organically when you just play around with it and, and i've had that even just you know as a line actor and things you know the line would be a little slow and things and we had one scene where this doctor was sort of making like his own frankenstein thing and you know dr morbius was down there and the actor would start asking for body parts and stuff from the people on the hayride, which was a lot of fun. So I cued in on that. So every once in a while, if the line was standing there, a bunch of teenagers just standing around looking, I'd walk up and in character, I think I was, a, you know, a, a sideshow Barker devil at the time. I would ask one of the big guys to hold out his arm and I'd pretend to measure it. I go, Oh, perfect. When you're down on the hayride, make sure that you let Dr. Morbius know that he'll be looking for you. So the whole time that they're getting on it and waiting in line, they're going, well, wait a minute, what am I supposed to do? This, this Dr. Morbius, why is he looking for me? Wait a minute, that guy just measured my arm. You know, those little stories can come so quick and organically just, just by playing around with it and talking to your actors and managers. Yeah, and when you do things like that, you're immersing them in the story that you've created in ways that you otherwise would not. Well, start that with your advertising. Start that with your marketing. Another thing I always say is your advertisement is the first point of contact that you ever have with your audience. Start your story there. You don't have to tell the whole story. And in fact, don't ever 
tell the whole story because they need to solve the mystery. You know, the, the, the ticket is the price of admission to solve the mystery. So set it up, make it appealing. And then when they get there, things like that just drills it in further into their minds, into their, into their subconscious even. And they know they're there to have a good time, but now, okay, they're starting to get a little bit nervous and it just becomes that much richer of an experience for them. And they leave feeling better than they even thought they would. And then all of that, yes, all of that is marketing. And then when they leave, they're going to tell everybody who wasn't there about the great time they had. And that's marketing. Please do not think of advertising and marketing just as the, the commercials and promos that you produce and pay for and put on the radio, on TV, online, on social media. That's just the beginning. Those are just the seeds that you plant. Everything else comes from your audience. And if you're doing your job right, they're going to make you very successful. Being able to smell your concession stand, you know, French fries, frying, or hot nuts. If you can smell it from your parking lot, that's marketing. Not so sure if I want to be smelling hot nuts right now in present company. Well, well true, present company. But, you know, you, <laughs> you, you get the warm chestnuts going or, or the cashews. Oh, my God. The cashews oh, are such yeah. a seller, especially in New England on a cold October night. <laughs> exactly. Dick, given what we know now, with the uh, you know the state of the world, the pandemic, and all that stuff, are there things that haunts that they might do in a normal year probably would should not be recommending that they do this year in regards to advertising or how they're marketing themselves? Hmm. All the things that I tell people not to do any other year, yeah. Um, but specifically, the way things are right now. I tell you what I would never do. I would never, never do a pandemic theme during a pandemic. Um, if there was a school shooting, I would never do a school shooting scene. I, I think you get where I'm going here. You, you want to be scary, yes, but most importantly, you want to be fun. You have use to your brains about use your common sense. Well, what you're going to uh, make your, uh, your scenes for. And if you don't have common sense, please find someone who does, because I, I would imagine that there's someone in your organization that has common sense, but you got to know where the line is. And, and I know that there are some haunts out there that, that they like to go over the line. They like to go absolutely balls to the wall. They, they are known as extreme haunts. Okay, fine, but there's still professionalism involved in that, and they know how to pull it off successfully. If you don't, don't even try. The story, the story this year is we are safe, we are fun, we are open. Right. You know, because there has been talk on social media about, oh, well, you know, I was thinking of doing a, a mad scientist and virus goes wrong and mutates everybody in the haunt kind of theme this year what do you guys think and you know you get, and you know, tumbleweeds. You, get, yeah. you get some very interesting answers on that so i thought i would get your take on that <laughs> that's 
probably not the best way to go about it this year. Maybe not this next. time. Not Maybe this 2022. Time. Dick, but also are- for this year, do you think um, it, it could be a trap for haunt owners thinking what, just what they've done in the past will be enough this year? Uh, definitely. Um, we are in a new world. There are some things that will still work. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's all how you use the tools. Um, you know, if you've got a hammer and a chisel and you, you go after a piece of wood, two different people with the same tools and the same piece of wood will go at it differently. And one might come up with a beautiful carved owl and the other one will just hack the things to bits. So know your tools and use them wisely. Use them, yes, in ways that have been successful, but adapt to the current situation. And I'm going to say it again. We're safe. We're open. We're fun is what you base everything on. And this, this is even assuming that you're going to be able to be open. I really hope everybody's going to be able to be open again. I'm not entirely optimistic. Like I say, it is a moving target, but make your plan A, B, and C and do everything you can to be open. Because as has been said, those who were open in October of 2020, they not only did well, they kept things alive for next year. It may be that that was the best thing they did was to just keep themselves in the eye of the audience to give them that reassurance that we are here, we're not leaving, we're going to keep you safe, and we're going to have even more fun next year. That's a perfect segue to say you're listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show with our very special guest, Mr. Dick Terhune, the regular ghost. We're going to take a very short break here, and we shall be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the round table of terror here on the Big Scary Show with our very special guest, Mr. Dick Terhune. We've been talking about marketing your haunt for 2021. You know, got a lot of good information in the first half of the roundtable, but let's take a slightly different turn at this point, as we sometimes do. You know, I first met Dick Terhune in 2008 at Midwest Haunters Convention. I had known of him for a couple of years prior with a different podcast, but Dick, we've never really talked about how you got started in the industry, how you became a voice actor. Um, all the different things that you do, you know, we always give you a chance to plug stuff at the end. And you've, you've mentioned things like world of Warcraft and transformers and little Caesars and, and all sorts of cool stuff. But how, how did you get started in this? I mean, were you a theater major and somebody said, you've got a good voice. Let's see how you do voiceovers or, you know, how did you become the voice from hell? Ah, origin story time. 
Mm-hmm. Well, about uh, time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I was, I think, like 13, 14, that's when I started doing stage acting and just absolutely loved it. And maybe a year or two after that, um, my dad is a barber in the town where I grew up and barbers hear everything because they talk with everybody who's in the chair and a guy from the local radio station was getting a haircut. And he said, you know, we got, we got a part-time opening down at the station. If, if you hear of anybody who might be interested, well, dad immediately told me about it. And I went down to the local radio station. This was, of course, back in the days when you could just go down to the local radio station. And they said, uh, all right, come in a little before six o'clock in the evening. So I did. And they handed me a stack of news copy. And they said, this is how you turn the microphone on. This is how you play this. This is how you start a commercial. Uh, you're, doing the six, you're doing the six o'clock news. Go. That was my audition. And I guess I did okay because they kept me on. And that was the beginning of a 20 plus year career in radio. All the while I was also doing stage work. So the two of them just kept going along, but in their own lanes. Eventually I moved to New England, uh, still doing radio, still doing theater. And then finally in 1999, I believe it was, technology caught up with my ambition because I was happiest at the radio station when I was in the production studio, working on commercials, doing different voices, doing bits for some of the other jocks and and creating that sort of thing. I I just seemed to have a natural aptitude there and, and loved it most when I was there. So technology caught up with my ambitions and I was able to build the Fortress of Amplitude right here, which is my, uh, my VO studio at home. I left commercial radio at that point, started doing commercial VO work from my studio, which of course was great fun. It reduced my commute from an hour and a half each way to about 45 seconds round trip. So that was pretty awesome. And there, there was one job that I always did at the radio station that I always looked forward to. And that was every October, the local haunted house would come to me and they would say, we want you to do our commercial. And so I did it and they were thrilled and they came back year after year. And they said, we, we just leave it to you do whatever you want with this commercial. And that was my favorite thing to do every year. So about this time, I was also thinking, because I live in New England, this is an area where Halloween is taken pretty seriously, where haunts tend to thrive, and I'm sitting on a fairly large chunk of property that I always thought would make a great haunted trail. And so one day, I'm out mowing this field, and I'm thinking, you know... I can see a concession stand over there. I can see where the porta potties would go. I can see a ticket booth over there. And I was starting to design elements in my head as I was driving along, mowing, mowing, mowing. And, and then I started finding out about, you know, the, the trade magazines and DVDs and message boards for haunters. 
that's how far back this goes. We still had message boards at that point. And I was just getting so stoked up reading all this stuff, absorbing all this information, thinking, yeah, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to make tons of money and it'll be fun. And I went into my wife one day and I said, honey, here's what we're going to do. And she laughed like really hard and maniacally, like losing her breath type of laughter for like 15 minutes straight. So I, I walked out and came back to my studio and was thinking, okay, that's not going to happen. But then my eyes went to this pile of trade magazines and DVDs, and I thought about the message boards, and I thought about the websites, and suddenly it hit me. I can learn anything I want to about pneumatics and time ticketing and scare acting from all of this stuff. But what I noticed nobody was talking about seriously was how to get people to your door, how to advertise, how to market. And that's when it all clicked. And shortly after that, I launched the Voice from Hell website. Um, I became fairly frequent guest on podcasts much like and or similar to this one. I started applying to HauntCon and MHC and Transworld and, you know, any convention that had an education track, I, I knew I had something that people needed to hear. And so I started teaching. I started doing the seminars. And it wasn't necessarily designed to get people to do business with me, but that's what happened. Every time I would do a session, at the end, I would say, you know, if you have questions, if you want to talk to me about something, come up. It, it would be like a, a land rush, people coming towards me. So I, I would have to start setting up appointments throughout the weekend to talk with people. And it just went from there. So the Halloween and haunt industry that I've always loved Ever since I was a teenager, when I when I would do like the JC Haunted Houses or, or whatever as an actor and the commercials and acting, it all just kind of came together. Now, the other things that have happened since then, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, I, I do a character in World of Warcraft. I do other games. Uh, Transformers has been great. We did three seasons of Transformers Cyberverse. Uh, I've actually got most of my action figures here in the room with me and uh, a new one that just came out for, I, I think I'm the first person to ever voice this character, Mac Adam. Uh, they just did a build a figure, which means you have to buy like eight figures to get all the pieces for this guy. So I finally just finished building him. He looks great. So it's nice. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll sit around here and I'll, and I'll talk to myself in my prowl voice, or I'll talk to myself in my quintessence scientist voice. And I'll just have a very enjoyable time doing things like that. So that's been great. And as you said, uh, as you said earlier, yes, I do have some new projects. Yeah. Still doing commercials all over the place, not just haunt commercials, but for, uh, for other businesses as well, national commercials, TV and radio. What have I been working on lately? Seems like at the end of October, uh, vampirism took up a lot of my time uh, because in October, uh, a new audio theatrical company, Resounding.Live, launched. Their first production was Dracula. So we basically brought back the radio play online. 
First one was Dracula. We did it Halloween weekend. Uh, for you Broadway aficionados, Norm Lewis was our Dracula, and I was Professor Von Helsing. And that was an extremely cool thing to do. Uh, imagine a Zoom meeting with seven or eight actors scattered across New York City or Connecticut. We had one guy who was in L.A. and a sound engineer who takes all of your performances and puts them together live along with sound effects, along with music, along with um, audio placement. You know, he, he would walk us around the rooms as we were doing our scenes. It was, it was a really cool experience. So did that in October about the same time I, I booked a pharmaceutical scientific narration that had to do with something that attacks red blood cells. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I managed to book a part in a game that I can't talk about that has to do with vampires who might disguise themselves. So if you're familiar with games and or video games, that have to do with vampires that may disguise themselves. I can't talk about that. Also, uh, just finishing up doing an audiobook about essentially warring tribes of vampires in modern day Los Angeles. It's called Spires, uh, it's by Briarly Mitchell. And as soon as I finish editing, editing that, hopefully we'll get that up on Audible and you can listen to that. So those are just some of the things keeping me busy these days. Interesting. When you were growing up, were you listening to old radio shows or are you a fan of those? I listen to them on Sirius all the time. Channel 148, classic radio. I listened yeah. to a few of them. I, you know, of course, everybody's heard the, uh, the War of the Worlds broadcast. That's, that's one of my favorites. It's the gold standard. It's one of the best. It's, you know, that's the broadcast that Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air did that actually made people believe that the world was being invaded by Mars. It was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. So hopefully we're able, it, that's one thing that um, Broadway actors and, and performers all over have been able to do. I mean, we always find a way to perform. And this is one way to do it. Bringing back the radio play. Okay, awesome. We're still performing. That's so cool. Are you familiar with Jim French Productions out of Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he started bringing back old Sherlock Holmes and some other original characters back in the, you know, 10 years ago or so. And now, I can't remember, does he, does he do that live or does he record them and stream them? He records them in front of a studio audience. Oh, okay. And then okay. he would stream them. I assume it was kind of like Prairie Home Companion. It might be okay. live, but it might be on a delay or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of that stuff. I listen to the Dragnets and the Gunsmokes and the, the Shadow and the Saint with Vincent Price. Got that's you know one of the best shows ever out there. Yeah. And well, with, uh, with the Dracula that we did with Resounding, the thing, the reason they call themselves Resounding Live is we perform it live. It is a live production every time it goes on. Nice. Jerry, you had something? I, you were talking about radio shows. I used to listen to Inner Sanctum all the time. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Inner Sanctum Mysteries is on that channel a lot. Yeah, my, my, my dad had a bunch of the eight tracks. Um, <laughs> nice. So that's what we used to listen to them on. So how does one, you know, I, I've 
toyed with voice work for the last well 27 years. I've been in radio off and on since 1993, but never have been able to break through that one layer. You know, I've done some haunt work. I've done some commercial work. I was the voice of Kenny Rogers Roasters for the Raleigh market for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, but how does one, you know, really break into it? You know, I can imagine New York's a very competitive town to, if, if you're in that market and all, and Charlotte's actually the third most competitive town for voice actors mm-hmm. outside of New York and LA. But, you know, how do you do it? How does, how does the persistence pay off? And I mean, geez, well, you, you have, I to don't do have it. an agent or anything. So. Yeah, you, you have, you have to do it constantly. And fortunately for me, I was able to get an agent. But that thing doesn't just happen. I mean, you may see in a movie where, you know, scrappy young performer is is chugging along and an agent sees them and says, I want to represent you. That's not necessarily how it happens. You actually have to hone your craft. You have to work. You see, an agent is not going to be interested in you until you're already making enough money that they can benefit by it. Um, what I've heard is that an agent isn't going to want to look with you until you are at least in the high five figures and even better in the low six figures before they'll take you on. Now, if you're, if you're doing that, it means you are busting your hump every day. Um, you know, I say 90% of my work is getting the work. It is absolutely. I am auditioning for things every day, whether it comes from uh, a site like Voices.com, which is a site for voice actors to to be able to get into auditions all over the country, all over the world for all kinds of projects, or whether it's my agent sending me things. But, you know, it, it's just like everything else. You, you have to be persistent. You have to keep pursuing it. You have to keep getting better. And you have to keep doing the work in order to get the work. And if you do that, suddenly it happens. <laughs> I'm just ups- like <clears throat> I'm just upset now that every 80s movie has lied to me and <clears throat> you know it wasn't <laughs> that you had won the local battle of the voices competition at the civic center and some guy in a cheap suit at the end goes here you go kid here's a contract <laughs> well yeah that actually did happen too but no 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 <laughs> never happens that way no 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 wow so <laughs> Well, you know, I guess the moral of the story is just keep plugging away. Kind of like being a haunt actor, you know, keep honing your craft. And I I wish I could tell you more, but that's really the secret to success. The harder you work, the luckier you'll be. Yeah. Shocking. Hard work pays off. Who would have thought Mm. it's, it's not like a fad diet or anything. Just, just (laughs) keep doing it. So, so what can you tell us? You did, you did mention you had some things going on in the works. I mean, looking at the clock here, you know, we've been talking a while and, uh, you know, if there's any questions from the host, now would be the time to bring them up. And if not, we'll start winding things down. Well, I'm just sort of relieved that, you know, Dick started off by saying, Oh, I've been doing a lot of vampire stuff during the uh, quarantine. And I'm just imagining Dick wandering around graveyards in Griswold, Connecticut, looking for vampire (laughs) graves. I'm glad that there was actual stuff behind that. That's what I do in my spare time. Exactly. I was just imagining him with a cape kind of lurking just everywhere. No case. His, upside down. His, no his off days. No his, <laughs> that's what he does on his off days. <laughs> Sparkling now, in the sun. I will say when we did Dracula, I was the only one who dressed up on Halloween. 
when we performed it. Nice. Even though it was on Zoom and nobody outside the cast saw it, but they appreciated it. A true professional. When even <laughs> the burnout from you know a full season, you're still dressing up on October, you know, absolutely on Halloween. That's why would that's I a not? True professional. Why would I not? Come uh, the, on. The, the burnout gets you. I never, I never fault any haunt actors or any stage people who don't come dressed up to the cast party or something because I get it. I, I it's it's <laughs> it's been a long season, a long yeah. production. Yeah. Speaking of burnout, how long did it take you to learn? the one man play a Christmas Carol. I mean, you know, playing all the parts and the yeah, way over, you were doing there were it. over 30 parts in that and simultaneously different voices, different inflections, different accents. I mean, it's amazing that you did it, but how, how do you do that without getting burned out? Well, the director first started talking with me about it. Um, at least a year before we announced we were going to do it. So I kind of had an idea that it was going to happen. And then when we, finally pulled the trigger and said, okay, yeah, we're going to do this, put this on the season. Um, at that point I had seven months from the day the script goes in my hand until opening night to get it all down. So I had a nice long rehearsal period, which was great. Um, also not a lot of those other annoying actors around to, to interfere <laughs> with what I was doing. It was all me, me, you understand all me, <laughs> but I digress. I, you know, fortunately was able to work on that during the day when I'm in my studio, if I'm out mowing the lawn, I can do it. Um, it, it did get kind of interesting if I would be sitting on the train or on to on a plane going over my lines, I found that I had, you know, a lot of, a lot of empty seats around me, which, you know, nor normally doesn't happen, but they would clear right out when Marley's <laughs> ghost appeared. Let me tell you. So, you know, my, my approach to memorization has usually been to record everybody else's lines in the scene that I'm in and leave a space for me to respond. And then I play that back. So it's like, I'm having a conversation with whoever's supposed to be on stage with me. Well, I was the only one on stage, so that shit wasn't going to work. So instead, what I committed to was just linking the story together, knowing where the elements fit in. For example, if I know that Marley is dead and Scrooge doesn't like Christmas, then I also know that his clerk is Bob Cratchit, and, oh, pretty soon in the door comes his nephew, Fred, who refuses his invitation. And after that, a couple of guys come in looking for money for the poor and he kicks them out. So as long as I was able to keep the story straight in my head, it's like, oh, OK, Molly was dead. That is indisputable. And I just take off from there at that point. So, you know, I, I admit when when I first started looking at that book that I had to memorize, I thought, oh my God, they're going to have to have a teleprompter or I'm going to have to wear Bluetooth things in my ear so that they're going to be able to feed me the lines. But at some point I just let the story take over and then I was telling the story. And naturally, I think because I've been an actor for so long, when I tell a story, I become the characters and it all just grew from there. So that's, if, if you saw it, that's what you were seeing. 
was there ever a time where you flubbed live in front of an audience and were just like, Oh my God, I don't remember the next line. I don't no. remember the next scene. Oh, good. No, no, that didn't happen. I did transpose a couple of things in the, uh, in the performance that you saw, but because I know this element of the story links to this element, links to this element in my head while I'm up there, I'm thinking, Oh, okay. I have to get back to here in order to go here. So and how many people actually know that other than you obviously acting it word for word to go, Oh, wait a minute. Well, now Probably you a do. stage manager who's upset about it. You're a <laughs> son of a, <laughs> no, the state stage manager didn't worry about it at all. I think they had the script in front of them and they were looking at it. But by that point they knew, I mean, they, they know me well enough that even if there was a, a momentary panic, and it would have only been a fraction of a second because I never got that far off. It was like, okay, don't worry. He'll get back to it. He'll get back to it. And I did. How much of that? a, Go ahead. I was going to ask, you know, while we're on that subject, how much of a challenge is it doing a one man show and the audience reaction? Because, you know, they, they might not react to exactly the way you, you would think it is. There might be yeah. a giggle when you're expecting a gasp or something with no other actors on stage. How much of a challenge is that? And they never did react to the same things in the same places, but there, there were some things I knew I could count on. Um, like in the, in the scene near the end of the show where Scrooge is with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And he views the pawnbrokers basically divvying up his possessions, even though he doesn't know those are his possessions, but the characters were written so comically that of course, of course you're going to laugh when they come out or, um, when when it's discovered that Tiny Tim has died. That's a very somber moment, and I, I could always count on hearing a <laughs> from somewhere in the audience. But I think the thing that took people most by surprise was the very ending of the show where Scrooge plays his joke on Bob Cratchit, terrifying Cratchit into thinking he's going to be fired, but instead he says, I'm going to raise your salary. <laughs> And then he has a giggle fit and Cratchit thinks he's gone insane. And then he comes, he comes out of it and he says, Merry Christmas, Bob. And those are words you would never expect to come out of Scrooge's mouth. And the audience is just so glad to hear it. And he takes Bob's hand and says, I will endeavor to help your struggling family. And at that point, I'm tearing up on stage. And I could always count on a few snuffles and sniffles at that point too. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't really worry about audience reactions my job was to tell the story and that's what i did very nice anything else for dictor hewn from the hosts oh and by the way it's great to be able to tell ghost stories at christmas oh yeah those of us who love halloween always a fun and, and such a neat element to it and it it also makes you you know question all these weird traditions and stuff i i keep screaming at people that santa claus is a cryptid you know nobody has a good photo of him he hangs out with elves he magically appears in your room he puts stuff in there he he is a shaven bigfoot in a red suit that's it that's what santa claus is and no one believes me i'm willing to entertain it i'd never thought about it that <laughs> way but you know i think you're onto something there man or you're yeah, just you, on something. One yeah, of the two. That too. You need to host. Too. You need to host a panel at oh. like the next Necronomicon about this, or or, <laughs> oh, or yeah, Rhode yeah. Island Comic Con or something. Oh, Is Santa a shaved Bigfoot? <laughs> that would probably get at least a couple of people in the door. 
these, these are discussions that go through my head and, you know, the people I find online and stuff, you know, I, I had an entire two hour, you know, chat conversation this weekend trying to understand if a calzone is a donut. So, you know, that's 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 where these things come out of in my head. So is it round. Does it have a hole in it? Then no. It, it, well, it, but filled with goodness. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah, not all donuts, donuts are filled. Okay, see, now we're going to have the whole conversation. Uh, so, yeah, see, that, that's a whole other show. You know, tune in and, next week. Yes, we'll have that conversation at some point. So anyway, uh, this is normally the part of the show that we like to call the plugs. So if there are no more questions for Mr. Terhune, I'll take that as a no. What is uh, some of the uh, things that you can plug at this point? If you're a haunt owner, you weren't open, you're worried about how to get your your audience and your customer base back, or if you were open and you want to you know, find the best way to market yourself to the people who might be a little skittish to come visit post-pandemic, hopefully, or anything that they need from your services, how can they get a hold of you with websites and social medias and also anything you've got coming up that you would like to let your, our audience know? Well, I am always open to one-on-one -on -one consultations at no charge and no obligation. Um, if you want to talk with me about your haunt advertising and your haunt, haunt marketing, I'm more than happy to do that on an individual basis because everybody is in a different place and has a different situation. And so it certainly isn't one size fits all. We'd need to talk about the details of what you've got going on and what you want to achieve. And, you know, like I said, it's moving target this year, but the best thing you can do is to start organizing that right now, right this second. So if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can easily do that. My website is voicefromhell.com. You can go there. You can look around. There are ways to get in touch with me there. Or you can skip that thing and just come straight to me, Dick Terhune, D-I-C-K-T-E-R-H-U-N-E, at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, same name, Dick Terhune, or Voice From Hell, separate page. You want to hit me up on Twitter? You bet, at Dick Terhune VO. But remember what I said about getting started right now? Get started right now. <laughs> and the other projects that I did mention that are coming up, there's that game involving vampires who may be disguising themselves. That will be coming out soon. And uh, the book is Spires by Briar Lee Mitchell, narrated by Dick Terhune. So that'll be coming your way shortly as well. Excellent. I'm writing that down. Well, Dick, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's always fun to have conversations with you. Hopefully we'll be able to see you at at least one or two of the conventions this year, whether you'll be giving a, a talk or just hanging out or wowing us with some of your, shall we say, very creative costumes during costume balls. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Can't imagine what you will do now that you've had two years to think oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely been going through some designs and schematics. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But, of course, we couldn't do this without, first of all, our marketing weasel, Storm. My favorite takeaway tonight is when I need a row by myself on an airplane, I just start accusing people <laughs> of being a underdone potato. <laughs> or a crumb of cheese. 
or bit of mustard. <laughs> Meat hook, Jim. I'm going to play with my soundboard some more when we're off the air. I did uh, not think board. you were going to say soundboard. <laughs> that was right on the line. Uh, that even had me scared. Yep. It would be it would be funny if Jerry did a creative edit right there. Hmm. Speaking of, we'd like to thank Jerry Vane. Hint, hint, wink, wink. There goes our ratings. <laughs> <laughs> did we have any? No. <laughs> hey, Jim, do you run the soundboard by yourself or not? Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> My wife does. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. Where again is Santa a shaved Bigfoot? I'm going to be contemplating that one tonight about 3 a.m. You're listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Make sure to auto-tune your mosquitoes this haunt season. Yes. <laughs> haunt. Halloween sucks on the Big Scary Show. Oh,
Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first gruesome giveaway for the year 2021. You know, 2020 was disappointing in many, many ways, and it was a little disappointing for the gruesome giveaway because for the entire year, we only gave away four prizes. Why, you may ask? Because, not because people didn't know the answers, but because people didn't enter the contest during eight months out of the year. Now, we know COVID was very much on our minds and many other things going on, but folks, Screamline Studios gives us these great prizes and we want to give them away to you. So hopefully 2021 will be better and we'll have some people winning prizes every month of the year. And let's see if we can do that right now. I'm about to ask a question. The answer is in the show. Listen carefully. All you have to do to enter is send us an email with your name and your phone number so we can contact you. And, of course, the answer, send that to contest at BigScaryShow.com before midnight on January 25th. After that, we will pick a random entrant, and you could be the next winner. Without further ado, the question for the January Gruesome Giveaway is... What is the name of the one-man play that Dick Terhune performed in 2019 that was rebroadcast on YouTube during the 2020 holiday season. If you think you know that answer, send us an email with your name, your number, and that answer to contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight, January 25th, and you could be the winner of a great prize from our good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. Be sure to go visit them and see all the cool things. Maybe something that you like, we might just be giving away. A quick reminder, previous winners and family members of The Big Scary Show are not eligible to win. Good luck, and let's give away some prizes. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are going to the Southern Hemisphere to the country of Peru. Christianity is the most common religion in Peru, with 76% of Peruvians identifying as Catholic. For this reason, most people follow Catholic afterlife beliefs, along with some traditional customs. For example, traditionally people believe that the soul was bird-like and could fly away during sleep 
If it didn't return, the person passed away. When someone dies, their family dresses and places the body in an open casket. The casket stays at home or in a church for a few days for mourners to pay their respects and bring flowers or food. It's more of a celebration of life, as everyone shares stories about their loved one while eating snacks like coffee, tea, sandwiches, and cookies. Close family members may even sleep near the casket so their loved one is not alone. For a Peruvian funeral, there is usually a Catholic funeral and burial service. Everyone wears black and receives a small funeral gift such as a photo or a bookmark. Then, there is a funeral procession to the cemetery. In larger cities, they decorate the hearse with flowers, while in smaller cities they may carry the casket instead. The gravestones and mausoleums have elaborate decorations and paintings to represent the deceased's life story. The gravestone paintings first started in, in Chilca, Peru, and then spread to the rest of the country. For mausoleums, family can bring items to decorate with, and most above-ground cemeteries have windows or gates to protect these items. Traditionally, they designed caskets to protect the body in case the soul ever returned to the body. They used materials such as clay, stone, wood, iron, or a hollowed-out tree. After the funeral, everyone goes to the deceased family's house for a meal. They may serve goat, rice, coffee, toast, cookies, and wine. Sometimes this meal also turns into an all-night party with drinks and celebrating who the deceased was. Loved ones honor and remember the deceased long after their death. The deceased's immediate family members regularly place fresh flowers on their loved one's gravesite and visit on special occasions such as holidays and death anniversaries. On the one-month, six-month, and one-year death anniversaries, they have a mass to honor their loved one. They don't attend parties or other celebratory social events during year one of grief. Well, there's a quick, um, concise look at uh, Peruvian funerals. We'll catch you on the next episode.
On a peaceful island, the cheerful sounds of children fill the air. But something strange is happening. Where are the people? Where are they, Tom? And only they know why. <coughs> island of the Damned. A nice place to visit, but you could never live there. Island of the Damned. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Voncaron.com V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N.com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios Dark Imaginings Fright Finder Haunt Pay Creepy Collection and Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Ransom Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist. JerryVane.com And finally you. Without you the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.